Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Monetization Masters podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Gallett. Thanks for joining me today. I encourage you to follow the podcast on your platform of choice. As you know, the idea behind the podcast is to meet people who are thought leaders and practitioners in the growing and influential monetization space and to give them a platform to share their quick thoughts or ideas. If you're interested in joining me as a guest, I'd love to have you. Reach out to me directly at jeff.g at monetize360.io. That's G-E-O-F-F dot G at monetize360.io. I'm very excited that Andrew Daly, co-founder and managing director of MGI Research, is joining us again to discuss a topic near and dear to our hearts, usage monetization. So Andrew, welcome back to the podcast. Appreciate having you on again. Thanks, Jeff, and congratulations. This thing is really taking off. Yeah, we're hoping. And uh, please, if you haven't listened yet, this is your first time, please follow us and subscribe, and a new episode will appear in your uh, feed every couple of weeks. Um, I did want to touch base with you on a topic which is near and dear to our hearts, but this is not about us. What are, what are your thoughts on, on the migration or the movement or the concept of usage-based billing? Yeah, so there's a lot of talk and hype and you know various folks are behind that around the quote-unquote usage economy, right? We had the subscription economy and now the tech industry loves a progression of things. Um, and so the latest is the usage economy and usage billing. And first of all, you got to step back and say, is usage billing, how is usage billing different than any other kind of billing? Um, and what we found from survey data is that once an organization goes from selling things on a one-time basis, right? You buy my widget, you pay for it, we ship it, you pay me and we're done to selling something on a subscription basis. If you think about it in a kind of simple linear fashion, once you start moving away from the one-time sale or adding say subscriptions on top of a one-time sale, you don't just say, oh, I want to move to subscriptions and then you're done. You immediately, what organizations find is want to move to a whole range of different uh, business models and billing modalities. So it's not that there's this progression and or that usage is somehow different uh, in one sense. It's not. It's that you want to have the ability to offer your products and services uh, in whatever way makes sense, both competitively, like how do you want to go out and drive the market by having, say, real-time pricing models or reactively you better have the ability to bill things in different ways including usage because the instant you know the day that your competitor wakes up and says oh we've got a consumption model where you can start with a very you know with a no no cost up front or very low cost up front consume as you go model you better be able to react to that mm -hmm. so that was a long-winded way of saying we don't think usage, it's not like it's this new category of billing tools, but it's an important tool that every organization needs from a selling point of view to either drive their market or be ready to respond. And the other thing I'd add is that we're seeing more and more companies wanting to just track the usage of their products and services 
and they may or may not turn the monetization switch on, but they first want to put things out there and see what's being used and what's not. And then thinking in the background about what makes sense from a monetization point of view. Yeah, it's amazing how many companies, how little actual visibility they have into usage when it comes time to their customer success teams to report back on the, the health of an account or the health of a customer. They have anecdotal information, and sometimes they can go in and say, you know, Andrew logged in 55 times last month. But what did Andrew do when he logged in 55 times last month? Was he doing, you know, was he logging in 55 times in 30 days because it was confusing to use the product? We don't have any of that insight from general um, customer success kind of tools. And I think that just the ability to, as you said, you know, to, to meter what people are doing, even if you don't monetize against it, is a good thing to have. Just as your customers want kind of that simple B2C consume as you go experience product managers absolutely want to have the ability to track what the consumer or what the B2B customer is actually consuming, how much and when, how is it impacting their business? Yeah. And it seems to me that the, the, the idea of usage, usage is to your point, it's a type of billing. It's not an end all. And it's, it's, it's really a type of, it's a layer of complexity added to billing. It's, there's a complexity beyond, I ship you this box once a month. Now I might ship you a box with different things in it once a month or whatever it would be. It's, it's just a different, there's different components to it. But that then ties back to the, the, you know, to your work on the, on the agile monetization platform and the 13 deadly sins with skew explosion, for example, plays into usage base in a dramatic way. And, and, you know, there, there are, there are, components of that where the the idea of a framework becomes even more critical if you're thinking about a complex business model. Otherwise, you're letting your systems define what your business models can be. And if you do get in that competitive scenario that you described where your competitor is offering something on a usage model and you can't because your systems won't allow you to, or your and I'm using the term systems broadly, if your sales organization won't allow you to because your salespeople are afraid of how they're going to get comped on this. And, you know, it changes. There's an awful lot of change organizationally to move from one model to another or to adopt multiple models. That's right. A critical piece of it, and it's in the AMP model, is the ability to mediate data. And a lot of companies a lot of your peers and competitors will say they do usage billing. You guys say you do usage billing, but the real litmus test is does that billing solution have a mediation component? Because if you don't have the ability to pull data from multiple different sources, and sometimes in a consumption model or usage model, it's a real-time data source or a very, very quick-time data source. Mm -hmm. If you can't mediate that data, you can't really do usage or consumption billing. What you're really doing is just taking a data source from someone else or somewhere else that's doing that mediation and then just sticking it on an invoice. Mm -hmm. That's not usage billing. Right. That's, in, that's just invoicing. Right. And it seems to me that when you mentioned the usage economy earlier, and there's a lot of talk about it, and we're a participant in that, and we help make that noise, right? That's part of, that's part of what my job is, is for us to be a participant in that. But looking at it holistically, you know, what I really see there is there are, there's a tie. The way that that term is used does not necessarily reflect the way enterprises, true 
hundred million, two hundred million, five hundred million, billion dollar plus enterprises think about usage billing. They think about it more the way we've just been describing it. A lot of the people who talk about usage economy that I see talk about if you have a product-led growth initiative and you now have this thing out there and you have to figure out how to monetize it. You gave it to somebody's shareware, freeware, whatever it is, and now they're using it. And now you want to try to monetize it and going back to them and saying, well, you have to license that thing in a traditional software way doesn't work, but we can go to you and say, well, just pay for how much of it you use makes sense. But that's not enterprise usage in my mind. That's a, just a normal logical step from something of going from free to charge me something as opposed to an enterprise actually going out and saying, we need to add a usage component to our overall strategy as a business. Yeah, that's right. And I think to your point about change management in this context, when you go to the CFO and say, we're going to introduce this new product and it's going to be consumed by our customers, we have no idea what the consumption rate is going to be. It then gets really tricky when you say, great, now how should I model our costs and our revenue yeah. of the business? Like, what's my next 12 months going to look like? Yeah. I mean, we wrote some stuff, and I'm sure you did too, and I'm sure you talked to a lot of people eight months ago, 10 months ago, in the same month, I don't remember, the same quarter, I don't remember what quarter it was, might have been Q2 of 2022, two of the bigger names and who've adopted a usage-based model, Twilio and Snowflake. Twilio announced that they were blowing their numbers away because of usage in the same month that Snowflake said they were having trouble forecasting because their model, with all their new customers were on a usage model. And I was sitting there thinking to myself, if I'm a CFO of a publicly traded company, especially, and I have to sit down in front of a board of directors and Wall Street and explain what my revenue forecast is, and I don't have good insight into that, that's a really dangerous place to be. And I'm not going to be a real receptive of this model coming in just for me personally. And it flows through the whole organization now from there. A hundred percent. And having one great, in the case of Twilio, having one great blowout quarter, that's nice in the quarter. But 90 days from then, when your business is hard to model from, a, from an investor point of view, people look at it and go, hmm, this thing is really spiky. I, it could be cheap. It could be expensive. I have no way to like, figure out where this stock is going. I'd rather not have the volatility. Yeah. I'll take a pass on your I'll, stock. I'll take predictability way over volatility, right? Absolutely. Every day. Yeah. And then there's the reluctance, you know, I mentioned it earlier, we see some reluctance from sales organizations, you know, there's people who are used to, they're compensated on an initial upfront sale, there's a certain dollar amount to that, there's salespeople who are happy and making a lot of money working that way. And now you go to them and say, well, we're not going to charge on, you know, a 1000 seats to a new company, we're going to charge on the number of on the usage model within that company. And it's going to normalize out and you're going to make as much money. And they're like, yeah, I don't have a lot of confidence in that because of what we just described. I can't forecast it. There's not a lot of predictability necessarily around that model. Why should I switch? Why are you telling me it's a good thing to switch? And that gets, that's another point uh, on the, in the conversation around change management, which is you then have sales reps that want to drive a customer into, let's say you've got tiers of consumption, right? They say, well, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if I'm going to be here 12 or 24 months from now. So why don't I drive the customer into a higher tier, which may or may not be a good thing for that customer. Or conversely, they they sandbag it, right? And 
from a customer point of view, either one of those scenarios is, is difficult because at the end of the day, in the B2B space, uh, it's not purely about price. It's about predictability. I'm not going to get fired if I buy your service and it's a dollar or a million dollars. I'm going to get fired when I tell my boss that it's going to be a dollar and it ends up being a million. Right. 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 Or conversely, I'm going to have a bit of a problem if I say it's going to be a million and it's only a dollar. So communicating how this gets rolled out, you know, how this gets rolled out and communicated to the field, super important. How it gets communicated out to a renewals organization or customer success organization, letting people know maybe a hundred days before the end of the term, Hey, you're going to be way over. Right. Or you're going to be way under, right. We better go recover that money. Right. Find other useful ways right. for our customer to put it to work. Right. Right. And add value to them. So it, it's more than just, this is a new business model and throwing it out there. It takes a lot of thought, a lot of forethought in terms of how you introduce it to the field, how you compensate the field, how you do financial modeling and forecasting, and how you train the support organization and customer success teams to adopt it. Great insights. I really appreciate them. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Monetization Masters. Your feedback is always welcomed, as are your shares and, of course, your reviews of the podcast. Please follow and review Monetization Masters on your platform of choice, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. We'll talk to you next time. 